So if we, could, if we had a little joy detector that I could walk down the aisles uh, with and put it up against your heart, what would be the sound of the detector? Would it start going, whoa, man, she's got a lot of joy. Or, whoa, this guy, man, he is, we, your detector's not big enough. Um, this is a season of joy. And here's the question I want you to ask yourself. What is your capacity for joy? What is your ability to feel deep, inexpressible, crazy joy what is your capacity here today and if you have that capacity are you allowing yourself to feel it to experience it to celebrate it to move you uh, to worship jesus in spirit and truth this christmas do you have joy where is your joy what is it like um, are you bringing joy into your marriage are you bringing joy into your children's hearts? Are you bringing joy to your grandchildren? Are you bringing joy to your roommates, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your co-workers? Now it's so upside down and so counterintuitive. I have a good friend who's a lecturer, a writer. Uh, he's an amazing guy who gets to speak a lot in front of a lot of bright people. But here's one of the quotes uh, that he uses when he sets the stage for talking about joy. He quotes from the uh, man out of history, Lord Byron, uh, who says, those who know the most must mourn the deepest. Those who mourn the most, I mean, those who know the most must mourn the deepest. And what my friend Steve is setting the stage for is to say, your ability to feel joy is going to be in direct proportion to your ability to mourn, to feel sadness. So when we come to Christmas, there's all kinds of emotions, but just as we prayed for uh, Josh and Heather this morning and the loss of their son, deep sadness. Uh, being able to mourn, being able to enter into the loss, being able to grieve, being able to say it's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, when you're mourning uh, and you allow yourself to mourn, Something has happened inside of you, which remember we've been going through the Beatitudes because Jesus will say and does say, blessed are those who mourn, blessed. You will have incredible joy if you let yourself grieve. Wow, really? I mean, this is wacky. <laughs> Maybe you got dragged to church today and you're going, why am I here? Well, I think you're probably here because you want, you know, Jesus wants you to hear this. You will have incredible joy if you'll face the sadness that you're living with. If you will allow yourself to grieve how hard it is, how difficult it is, if you will admit it is not the way it's supposed to be, and already rather than being excited about Christmas, you're actually dreading it. You're dreading having to be with family. You're having, dreading having to be alone. Uh, you're dreading all the things that you know have happened at past Christmases. So where's the fun in that, Pastor? <laughs> uh, where's the ho-ho-ho in that? So I want you to see three things this morning. I want you to see the glory. What does that mean for us? I want you to receive the peace uh, afresh. And I also want you to think about I want to be somebody who doesn't leave, live a flatliner kind of life. You know, I don't have very much joy, but I don't have very much sadness. Why? <laughs> what are you afraid of? Why are you protecting yourself? Why are you guarding yourself? Why are you playing safe? 
Uh, I remember um, this friend of mine uh, uh, who uh, went to the mission field and he heard this man who was from the third world saying, the problem with you Americans is you play it too safe. You know? And what he added on to it, for those of you who know sports, is that you play small. Jesus wants you to play big this Christmas. He wants you to be that tuba, if you will, <laughs> okay? Like, where is this coming from? How did this happen? How do you get a tuba in Christmas music? But we know you do. Uh, but there is so much joy available to us. But let me share with you, if you know Jesus, your capacity of joy for joy is limitless. I mean, it's just like off the charts. You can experience joy like you never thought you've had it before. Well, here, let's just put ourselves in the context. Remember, uh, the angel Gabriel is by himself. He loved the way God stages this beautiful scene. Uh, he announces to the shepherds who are at night, the shepherds who are the lowest of the low, the Dalits, the untouchables of that society. And he says, there will be good news of great joy. The word there in the Greek is massive, epic joy. For those who look to Jesus and realize who he is and what he has done. And so he says that. Now, again, if I'm a shepherd, okay, this great light appears. I'm sitting in the darkness. The light comes. The whole uh, fields are lit up with the presence of the Shekinah, of the glory of God. It just comes out of, I mean, and then Gable shows up and you go, man, whew, that's enough. I can't. And just when you think it should, the curtain should come down and it's over, the curtain opens up, and then all these angels are chanting as loud as they can chant, glory to God in the highest. Would you have loved, I mean, I don't know about you, would you have loved to see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels saying, glory to God in the highest. Now, let me give you a little clue. Angels love this story. They love it. Peter tells they long to look into this story. They long to know more about this story. This is the story that makes angels so happy. Now, just to give you uh, a little Christmas insight here to help you with your Christmas, if you want to make angels happy, then stop trusting in yourself. Stop doing things the way you're doing them and say, God, show me your glory. You're repenting when you begin to pray for God to take over and take control of your story. Uh, there's an African-American evangelist that says, Jesus didn't come to take sides in your story. He came to take over your story. Now, when Jesus is telling a story about the lost coin, and this woman uh, finds the lost coin that she searches her house all over because she needs that coin, he says this, now listen, he says there's great rejoicing in heaven among the angels when one sinner repents. So you want to make heaven happy today? You want to make heaven a place where there's a lot of joy? Then just use your imagination to go, if I will stop feeling so sorry for myself. You know, these friends of mine, they do a great husband and wife team, they have all these little sketches they do for churches, help churches enter into the joy of Christmas. And my friend Charlie loves to play this scene where he's in his kitchen and he's cooking, but he has a little pan of soup there, and it's a soup of his self-pity, uh, feeling sorry for himself. And, 
his wife will come into the kitchen and he goes, oh, I've made this special soup, you know, because our life is so hard and you're so difficult, I'm so difficult, our marriage, oh, it tastes, oh, it's that, have you ever watched people who kind of wallow in their self-pity and feeling sorry for themselves, uh, what it does to them, but, you know, there is a level of comfort to that, isn't it? At least I'm facing reality, I'm not pretending like this ho-ho-ho kind of stuff, it really works. Life is hard, difficult, and so, and then he invites his wife to come drink it, but what little bowl of porridge is on your, on your stove here this morning that you're just kind of cooking up that makes you feel bad about yourself, or bad about God, or bad about Christmas, and you sort of, you sort of, sort of continually feed on that versus stepping back and saying, there's a feast here this morning because this is a meal of great joy waiting all of us who will come to it today. You want to see a little taste of the glory. Uh, Richard Rohr, who is a famous Catholic theologian, has this marvelous line which gets quoted a lot uh, because it's so well said. He says, if God does not transform your pain, you will transmit it. Um, Maybe the variant in your story, in your soul right now, is not joy, but it's anger, it's disappointment, it's frustration, it's drivenness. I will prove to you that I'm as good as you are. I will prove to you that all my training, my preparation, I'm going to show you because I'm going to outwork you. Um... Is God transforming your pain? Is Jesus bringing healing into your story so that the result of that is joy? You're going to transmit what God is doing in your heart. When the angels are so excited here, they're so excited because glory to God in the highest because there is great joy in what Christ has done for us and what he's doing even now. There's so much joy. Um, the word glory means weight. So if you understand the glory of God, here's what it feels like, here's what it looks like. You feel the weight of it. You feel the weight of God in your life. Now again, because we've studied Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 here the past few months, and Jesus says, when you feel the weight of my glory in your story, um, and don't worry, I'm not going to wrap. I know some of you thought I was going to go there, but don't worry. That's for another party. It's Christmas celebration. Um, when you begin to feel the weight of his joy in your story, it's kind of like, oh, uh, let me go to the least of these. Let me go sit with Heather and Josh and pray with them and say, I'm so sorry that you lost your son. You're freed up to really enter into mourning. Why? Because you've received the peace. Now, why? notice what they say. They say, glory to God in the highest. Now, just imagine many of you have been to sporting events where you hear chanting going on. Just imagine all these, glory to God because there's on earth peace that's being given. Peace. Now, what it's not, it's not political peace. If you study the gospel, Jesus said, I haven't come to bring peace that brings peace on earth in the sense that usually most people who read Christmas cards that say this quote, 
peace on earth among men. That's not what's going on here. And it's not a personal Zen-like peace, okay? Uh, that's not what's going on here. The peace that God wants to give to you is, is that he's not at war with you. He's not bringing judgment against you. So why are you in war with him? Why are you doubting his goodness and kindness? The peace that God comes to bring to us is a new identity with him where we can say, God is not angry with me. He's not disappointed with me. He's not feeling hopeless about me. Now, does God grieve our poor decisions and our choices? Absolutely. That's not what I'm talking about. It's when you live under this cloud that God is looking at me as being incurably hopeless. The power of that shame paralyzes everything and you flatline. No joy, no sadness, it's just flat. But God has come into your story to give you this big beating heart that says, God has come to me through Christ and given me peace, shalom, flourishing, because I can now rest and what Christ has done for me. Uh, one of our daughter, well, both of our, all three of our kids are runners, but um, our, our middle child, Anna, she went to get her uh, physical, and her doctor, who was attending her, uh, just started listening to her heartbeat. And she's quite a runner, and she says, oh, you have a runner's heart. And she said, you have a resting heart. It was beating a lot lower, you know, that capacity. So one of the ways you can know you're ready to enter into the joy of Christmas is that are you resting in the peace that God has said, not only am I not angry with you, not only am I not against you, I am for you and I want you to know my comfort. This picture in the Bible of healing looks like this, comfort. In Isaiah 40, let me just read it to you. You can look at it a little bit later today. But just hear these words that we know very well from the Messiah. And it goes like this. Um, if I can get there, we're getting there. Hang on. We're getting there. Isaiah. All right. Um, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. Some of you, that, I mean... <laughs> What's going to help you break free from a lot of the stuff that's holding you back and holding you down is to hear the tenderness, to feel the tenderness of Jesus. This guy that we love so much, Dane Ortland, who's writing all these great books about Jesus, he says, when you think about Jesus, the word that should come to mind first is tenderness, tender. He is gentle and lowly. He is so tender with us. Speak tenderly to them and cry to her. <laughs> And I think this image is, is that um, crying is weeping for her, weeping for him. That your warfare is ended, that your iniquity is pardoned, um, and that you have received from the Lord's hand double for all your sins. But now there is a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the deserts, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. 
Comfort, comfort my people. If you have joy, you have something going on inside of you where you be, used to be inconsolable, you're feeling the warmth and the presence of your God to comfort you. To comfort you. That healing is taking place because you now know that you're in a relationship with Mercy Mile, with the peace of God, which lets you know that you're at rest. Uh, one of you and I have talked about when we pray for revival, it's the revival of contentment. And here's one of the giveaways of where you are at Christmas. Are you content with all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ? If you are, you'll have a resting heart. You'll really be freed up to believe the best about God, the best about yourself, and to have the hope that really changes the world because although this peace is not political it's not personal because we know there's a peace that comes to us that surpasses understanding it's the benefit the byproduct of knowing that god has made peace with me through his son that i'm not his enemy i'm his friend i'm not so incurably hopeless as a matter of fact he says to me and you i can't wait who you will become if you really see yourself more and more the way I see you, and you understand how my joy is the engine that sets you free, uh, that really revs you up to be very excited and to be childlike here this Christmas. I remember I was doing my crazy Christmas stuff one Christmas, this was years ago, in a previous church where I was the pastor, and this older sister in the church, uh, this I'm old now, but I was younger then, <laughs> uh, she would get so exasperated to me. And so one Sunday as I'm you know, kind of walking down the aisle, going out, she kind of grabs my coat and she says, Clyde, don't you get it? Christmas is for the children. <laughs> and you know, I was really tempted, but you know, I just, I felt in that moment, rather than being, you know, quipping or saying something nutty, I just felt her sadness. I just felt how unhappy she was because she lost that childlike joy and wonder of what it means to belong to Jesus and to know that God has made a way for her and you and me to have peace. And so, uh, wow. So it, is, it does produce a personal peace. It produces people who want to be in government and make peace. Some of the great diplomats in the world, the great peacemaking that's going on in history are people who are believers, who believe in the temporal power of the gospel to put people at place so they don't go to war. And so here's the last thing, though, is that here's the thing to really help you this morning, is, is glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those he is pleased with. So uh, just think about this for a second. And peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, if I could say a blessing over each one of you, I can sit down with you and look you eye to eye, here's what I would say. Do you know how pleased God is with you? Do you know how much pleasure he takes in you? A good friend of mine who's in ministry uh, in North Carolina, but he's done a lot of work with high school students through the ministry of young life. He was at a retreat where all the staff are gathered in a meeting, all the staff who have families there. He has a, a daughter and two sons that are all grown now, but he, uh, <clears throat> uh, he's in this meeting and his son 
has been sneaking into the room where he's in a meeting. He's down a hallway, and his son's got his sleeper pajamas on. And, and my friend keeps noticing his son will kind of walk down the highway, hallway and then run away. And so my friend finally realizes that he's got to help his son, Lee, who's uh, just, you know, disrupting him in the meeting. And so he kind of looks down the hallway at his son and just does this, takes his finger and says, come, you know, basically come on. And little Lee just burst into joy and starts running down the aisle saying, he wants me. He wants me. He wasn't expecting his dad to scold him or be hard on him for disrupting his meeting. He knew that his dad loved him. Friends, Jesus wants you this Christmas. He's saying to you, come. And for you to allow yourself to enter into the joy of our redemption and to feel the power of the Spirit and say, Jesus wants me because he's pleased with me to dwell because he's given me this gift by which the pleasure of God is unleashed. Let us pray. Father, thank you this morning that we know our need and it is great. And you know how to meet our need. And we pray now as we come to this table that you will comfort us and help us, Jesus, we pray, to really be released in a fresh way this Christmas. Um, to experience something that only you can give us, which is the hope of the gospel. And we want to bring angels joy today by turning from all that is wrong with us and trusting in everything that's right about you and Jesus, which makes us safe and secure. Amen.